When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. It's going to start costing money from today, turning up at the school. He is just... Ah, stop, will you? Enoch Burke is back at the school again. Back at the school where he's not wanted. Back at the school where he no longer has a job. Back at the school where he's been told not to go back at the school. It's costing him 700 quid a day to go to the... And he's back there. His picture is turning up everywhere now. It's so funny. He's turned into one of these memes. You know, one of these... You can superimpose him anywhere. Um, Our Simon had some fun with that yesterday here in studio. But... Uh, he's back at the school this morning, if anybody's following the Enoch Burke tale. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Yesterday, I mentioned this survey, a very well-respected survey that comes out from the Irish Credit Unions movement a couple of times a year. The Consumer Confidence or Consumer survey, you know, and the the finding was that people seem to think we're over the worst now. We had a response to that. Uh, I'll talk to Michael a little bit later on this morning. And also coming back to a few more things, like Tommy Tiernan, it's the discussion that simply will not stop. And a few more um, new bits of business besides, like Nepo babies. Uh, If you're a well-known person, and your firstborn happens to get a nice handy job. Like, did you have something to do with that just because of who you are? Like, did Eve Hewson, who's a damn fine actor in her own right, like, did she get gigs because of who her dad is? Because I didn't know who her dad was until I looked it up. So, there you go. That and plenty more. It's a Friday. So, it could be, anything could happen between now and midday. But I want to turn the attention first to housing and to homelessness and the constant problem that is homelessness. We were contacted in the last couple of days by Luke. Luke, I understand you've been you've been homeless now for quite a while and you're actually living 
in a hotel. Um, morning to you. I'm living in travel. I've now currently uh, a year and two months nearly. Okay. How did you come to be homeless? I suppose I was, I was working in the jewel, kept myself going, obviously. Look, uh, came about being homeless because the property that was renting it uh, was being sold. And uh, there was nothing I could do about it, really. He gave me the, the proper notices and he was very helpful. He actually left me stay an extra three months and, you know, put things back for himself. You know what I mean? Which, look, it was a great help, but at the same time, he had to do what he had to do as well. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I'm homeless now, a year and two months. And go through the process for me of getting yourself into a place like the Travel Lodge. What did you do? You presented yourself, I take it, at the at the homeless desk. Yeah, I I was facing homeless homelessness before the place I was even renting, you know what I mean? So yeah. I was renting for a period of three or four years before that, you know what I mean? And went from place to place and I was always lucky I found the place, but I suppose it was getting each time I found myself getting it was getting harder, it was getting more stressful to find the place, it was getting harder on me, it was becoming a burden towards myself then as well. I was getting a lot more, it was you know, it was just harder to deal with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um you're dealing with social deprivation, you're dealing with the threat of un- unemployment, you know what I mean? Just the whole thought of homelessness, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and finally, when I did decide, look, I'm going to have another choice here, like I have to have a backup plan, you know what I mean? I, I couldn't find anywhere the places I was finding, I was going, there was queues in the door. Sure. You know, and everyone else does, you know what I mean? And I think it's becoming a lot, a lot this homelessness is, 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 is like as if it's the new norm, you know what I mean? And, Every day now I hear of someone being homeless or yeah. some new, there's always a new story every week it's becoming you know, it's an epidemic in my opinion you know what I mean uh, there's a homeless crisis there's, it's becoming the new norm like, you know what I mean and there's 11,005 homeless yeah. in Ireland and it's it's a figure that's hit record level for the fifth month straight the last five months you know what I mean and look that's that's excluding refugees and stuff like that. That's just eleven thousand five hundred forty-two yeah. homeless people yeah. at the record level. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's over five hundred in Cork, and like how I went about getting in was like I had to present, I had to go to the city hall, present myself. They're look, they're under pressure too. They're trying to help other people too, and look, they won't give me the answers I wanted. So you know, I kind of left with no hope, like, and I had five days before I could get a place, you know what I mean? And bearing in mind, no, this was the 8th of December, 2021. Right, right. Pressure, pressure. It reached before Christmas, you know what I mean? I know people will probably say, oh, wait, then, why didn't you go home? These are always the, the things you face, you know? Yeah, people do ask that question, Luke. I mean, could you have gone home? I, I could have gone home, PJ, but I'm, I'm 26 years of age. I have independence, you know what I mean? I'm living out of homes from a young age, you yeah. know what I mean? So... I'm independent. I mean, I've lived over the country as well, myself, before, you know what I mean, and moved home. People do say, why don't you move home? You know, there's no room at home, you know what I mean? Yeah. And even living at home, you have to have independence. We're entitled to our independence. We're entitled to have our own home. We're entitled to social housing. And there's none of that there, you know what I mean? There's, there's, and even at that, there's no support there for people either. Yeah. Because I'm in homelessness now a, a year and two months, and I can tell you, the support I receive... Is little to none. What do you get? What, I mean, what's, what's it like living in, in the travel lodge? Is it comfortable? When I presented myself, I thought, look, 
you know, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to secure a, a place to stay a roof over my head. Um, bearing in mind the stress of it at Christmas time then as well and all that. But look, presented myself. I was very, very lucky. I count myself very lucky anyway. Um, I, it, you often hear people look, there's, oh, you, you go in and people go into APS, allocation placement services, right? And they say, look, oh, there's, there's a bed in the night, guys. Yeah. There's a bed in the Vincent's. And if there's a B&B available, then that you count yourself lucky. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, I have I've I have friends staying in, in the Vincent's. I have I don't know anybody personally staying in the, in the Simon, to be honest. Mm. So, Travelodge, we've all stayed in them, I suppose, before I've gone on a plane or something. But, but like, what's it like to live there? To live there... Every, it's fine when you're travelling, like you said, everybody's staying in a hotel, everybody's, you know... It's fine staying in a street. Like, I found it, I found it brilliant, obviously, when they said to me, oh, the travel lodge is there. I lit up. I said, Jesus, I'm so lucky here. And I was delighted, and I still am happy that I'm here, and that I'm not in the Vincent's or a Simon or a B&B or a hostel, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, living here, PJ, I, I can't really complain. To, to, look, what I can complain about living here is that... Is that you have to? Is that I have to. Yeah. It's a hotel room, right? You have a bed, you have a table... You have a small telly, you have a toilet, you have a shower, you have everything you need, right? Mm. And have you the room to yourself, Luke? I have the room to myself, yeah, and look, I'm lucky in that sense. There's no washing facilities, and look, I know now people probably say, oh, there's a garage right next door to have a washing machine, but that, that, that adds up every week, you know what I mean? You have to wash there, 10 euro in the washing machine, 10 euro here, but that, that's, that's a lot for someone like me that's on the dole and, and is trying to, it costs a lot more for someone to live while they're homeless as well because yeah. I'm about to ask you actually do, do you have work now? No I don't have work no I was working but you know what it's been so hard with the whole stress side of things you know what I mean just like my job I lost my job a couple of months ago um, there was just I was, I was working with a company that had set up through the Covid and I suppose the Covid is kind of waving its way out now and yeah. the company wasn't as busy you know what I mean so I was laid off and all that happened at the same time as they come home. Yeah. So that's a take, a lot to deal with. Did you lose your dad recently, Luke? Did I hear that? Yeah, I did. I, uh, my dad is, he did a month today, actually. I'm um, sorry to hear that. Passed away four weeks ago due to cancer. He was diagnosed terminally ill in his brain and stage four cancer, and he lasted six, seven weeks. And he sadly passed away there four weeks ago, you know, and even when he passed away, I advised APS, look, I'm not going to be staying there for a night or two. I'm staying with my family, you know, just to be with my family and stuff. And they had no, no problem with that. They were very accommodating and fairness. And, but even at that, like, uh, my outreach, like, my outreach, I'm supposed to have services available to me, like, you know what I mean? Not even just as a homeless person, you know what I mean? But I suppose just a little bit more as a homeless person because when you're engaged with the homeless services, you'd imagine there'd be an appointed outreach worker or key worker that could be there for you meet you every week but yeah. I can't have that you know what I mean she does do her best she does a fantastic job and she's under savage pressure I mean like just 500 people registered homeless in Cork yeah and there's two outreach workers that I know of yeah you know what I mean it's, it's becoming a joke really to be honest like I'm kind of thinking like that, like I've learned and I've actually well maybe in homeless days I've educated myself you know yeah. what I mean on the homeless situation 
between the government, between the, the local authorities, between the city council, between the county council, between local councillors, between local representatives. I've contacted all of them. Yeah. Some I've received no response. It, it's like, do you know what it's like when you reach out to these people? It's like as if, look, look, this, this is probably a bad thing to say, right? But when you're reaching out as a homeless person, right, they automatically think, He's homeless, he's involved in drugs, or he's an addict, or he's an alcoholic. We can't help him until he helps himself. That's not the case, because I see it myself. Yeah. I volunteered myself in Zyber, Katrina Tomey, in the kitchen, even before he became homeless, you know what I mean? I know. And I see it on a daily basis. People think automatically when someone is homeless, or hear someone is homeless. You wouldn't think for a million years if you met me in the street that I was homeless, you know what I mean? Yeah, and tell me something from what you've observed, and I think you said educating yourself. Like, what are the problems as you see them from your unique perspective? Look, everyone blames the government. Everyone blames the government, right? Yes, you can blame the government. Yes, you can blame the local authorities, you can blame the council, you can blame people all day. But I think where the problem lies is in the people. And that's being honest. I think the people need to stand up. I think the people need to find someone who's going to advise for them. There's no one willing to fight. Like, as I said, I've reached out to so many people. How many of these people have come back to me? Four people. You know what I mean? And, and when they come back to you, what do they say? They're coming back and they're asking how, I, how they can help and all they're doing is pointing me towards services that can't help me because they need to be referred from the council. You know what I mean? Like they're talking uh, Peter McVeary, you're talking to Paul Ireland, but I'm already engaged with the Paul Ireland and the Paul Ireland will tell me go to a councillor and get guess guess advice from a councillor and get him to advice in the city hall. But at the same time you're you're going around in circles. To see that door inside the city hall, there's a revolving door there. Mm. You might as well be going around and all that all day every day to be going into that city hall and that's that's the truth. You know what? I got my CBL login details after a year and two months today because I told him I was going on the radio and sick of it. I, I can't do this anymore. I said, like, you know what I mean? I can't even bid for a house. This is to get into the choice-based letting thing when we've talked to people before about how hard that is to get into and how hard it is to use. Now, you've talked about someone standing up to take it on. There are local elections. Is it next year, I think, there are local elections and you're planning to stand? Yeah, I can tell you know one thing, right? If I have to, I will. You know what I mean? Like there's no one I I've I've gone through I don't know how many representatives that are inside in that city hall, thirty six or thirty seven of election uh, elected councillors inside there and different representatives in different areas and central and all this kind of stuff, right? But not one of them people can come back over to that meeting and give me one single bit of positive feedback for me. That's the truth. Not not one thing and I've gone through a number of them without them knowing that I've been on to someone else. You know what I mean? And they all give different answers and they all give... And look, they're trying to do a job too. Look, they're under pressure too. They can't even get the answers. You know what I mean? Like, So yeah. if they can't get the answers, how are the people going to get the answers? And therefore, there is no solution. There's never going to be a solution. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Come, come back to something you said earlier about having a home that you could go to, your family home. Have any one of them said to you, well... Why don't you do that? Why don't you try that? They have said that, yeah. And and they when someone that. says that to you, Luke, because I know messages will come in, go home. Yeah. I know they'll come in because I've heard that. I've heard other people on the radio there recently. 
and that's going home is not the answer because if I go home, I still have to deal with being homeless because that's not my home. Yeah, it's my home where I grew up, where I grew as a teenager. Yes, I'm entitled to my own home. I'm an adult. A home is a basic human right. Where do you see yourself in six months, 12 months? I don't know. I suppose... I can I can see myself running for a local election as an independent councillor or a local representative, and that's been truthful, just to get answers. And uh, there's, there's people in the homeless offices can't get answers. I know a young fella, I grew up with him. I was in school, running primary school and secondary school, and he's seven years in and out of the homeless offices. Some people give up, PJ. Some people give up, like, you know what I mean? And look, I, I, I've, been, I've been thinking of just giving up and, and leaving the country. You know what I mean? Like, and walking somewhere else, but I can't afford to do that, do you know what I mean? If you could afford it, would you emigrate now? I probably would, yeah. It probably would be a better answer. And, and tell me, do you have a trade? Like, do you have a, do you have a skill that you could take and do? I do, yeah. I do, I do. I work in the security industry. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of work in that at the moment. In the security industry, there is, yeah. Yeah. Could you hold down a job even now? I couldn't, TJ, to be honest. And is that because of stress and stuff? Yeah, it is, yeah. I see, like, I couldn't hold down the job because I'm in there all day thinking of my physical and mental health behavioural problems. I'm not saying I'm a child and I have behavioural problems, but I find myself not being able to rest in places. Even if I meet some of my friends these days, I find myself socially deprivated that I can't even, you know, I just feel uncomfortable, you know what I mean? These are all people that are living with their own houses, they all have, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's the little things, really, you know what I mean? Things like that, that that affect people, and there's a lot of depression too. Like you know what I mean? In the last four weeks, I've actually found myself manically depressed. You know what I mean? I lost my dad. No, I'm homeless. I'm kind of like losing hope. You know what I mean? But I'm not losing hope because I'm a strong person, and I know I can get through it. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's just hard. Like it gets harder. Like and it does. Like I'd be awake most nights. Even last night, I was awake all night. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. What would going over in your head, what you're going to do? No, I have, I have a couple of plans in my head, like, that I could put to the council, like, that they, I don't think they could run over, like, once there's grants, once there's money there for it, like, you know what I mean? And I, I, I have a brainwave going through my head at the moment, like, if the council don't want to do it, then if the people are willing to help me and support me, and I can, I can speak up for them. Do you want to share it? And, like, I've been thinking of something there recently, like, there's a lot of land around the place, right? Hmm that the council could buy, lease, whatever, right? And uh, I just think, like, look, they're, they're building modular homes for, for Ukrainians, right? Yes. Why can't they build homes for us? Yes. Do you understand? Would you take a modular place or a small little temporary apartment, you know, these... Yeah, you give me a mobile home, I'd gladly live in it. Someone raised this on, on the programme a few years ago, Luke, that in order to deal with the emergency we have that actually a trailer park wouldn't be the worst thing and you know what that's actually been going through my mind the past couple of weeks I know there's laws and stuff that you can only open caravan parks but if you make it a residential caravan park it's different you know and I, I was uh, I was deeply thinking about I, I actually spoke and I started asking people how would you get someone to invest in it if the council aren't going to be able to and if the council aren't willing to do it you know if I have to go away and set up a charity of my own I will that's the truth. Yeah. And do you think people would live in a in an all year round caravan park? 
that obviously wouldn't be a long-term thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. It would be a temporary solution. To be better than a hotel room. It would, yeah. Because you could have a washing machine in there, you could have a kitchen in there. You, yeah. could, you know, it's, it's a home more than what a hotel room is, you know what I mean? A hotel room, a hotel is not built for long-term accommodation. Luke, I'm going to leave it there because that's an idea that came up on this programme before that maybe it is time to look at trailer parks, to use the American term, as an emergency yeah. provision. Or if you go around the corner from where you are living right now, up to the yeah. garden centre over across the road, and up the back there, they're actually selling little modular apartments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, little, and, and perfectly well-equipped little modular apartments. There is. I've actually gone over and looked at them. Yeah. And could, could you're saying, could we not get a bit of land and the council or the state buy... A few hundred of them. Yeah, that probably get a savage deal off the suppliers, wouldn't you, Luke? I'm going to leave it. Would. I'm going to leave it there. See what people think. I wish you luck. Is what I wish you. That's all I can wish you. Is a bit of luck. Yeah. And I'm sorry again to hear about your dad. Thanks. Okay, bye. Nice fella, Luke. Isn't he nice, nice lad. But that idea did come up. I was trying to remember when. It's a few years back now. We were talking about homelessness, as we do all too often on the programme. But someone wrote in an email suggesting, look, it mightn't be the worst thing in the world to start thinking about trailer parks, to use the American term, on public land and just put loads of either decent mobile homes or even those little tiny modular places and just give them to people temporarily. I, that's the idea Luke has. Uh, to come back to that idea of Luke's. And if you've ever seen an American trailer park, either in the flesh, as it were, or in photographs or whatever, they're not nice places. But at the same time, the council has lots of land that it's doing nothing with. And if you walk up around the travel lodge from where Luke is staying, and there's another place down to sit down that, oh God, what's the name of it? It's that lovely garden centre. And they have a big shop down there, down near Fota. As you turn, before you turn off for Fota, the name's gone out of my head now. Belly Seedy, Belly Seedy. There's, they have a little bit of an industrial park there as well. You'll buy these modular places. They're about the size of a decent caravan. And they have a little kitchenette and a bedroom and a small bathroom and some of the bigger ones even have a shower in them and you just hook them up to the lecky into the water and if the state and I'm just throwing this out there for what for what it's worth if the state were to turn to the manufacturers of these things and say we want oh I don't know 20,000 of them do you not think they'd get a savage deal and then put them on council land so that people like Luke could have a little place of their own while they, while they get their lives in order. If there's some logic that I'm missing there, someone can tell me. This guy was amazing. This guy from Croatia, and he was, he's actually one of the best salesmen I've ever spoken to in my entire life. And was it because he was so nice? Nice, informative. Do you know that I'm a pretty nifty salesperson as well? Go on. I'm really, really good you at selling. You the old Jordan Belfort now on me. Okay. Send me this pen. Here's a pen, yeah. all right? How much would you give me for that pen? Uh, 50 cents. Sold. 
There you go. Thank you very much. Wow. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from Noel DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Quartz 96 FM. I cannot believe, Neve. it's two years ago since, since we talked about this. And I admit, at the time, I said you were mad and it would never work. Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. How old are James and Emily now? So James is going to be two in April and Emily's going to be four in June. Okay. Now keeping them away, keeping particularly Emily away from screens. That was the plan, wasn't it, at the time? You wanted to... They're digital natives. They're growing up in a, a world full of screens. They're born practically attached to them. You wanted to push back against that a bit, didn't you? Yeah, and I didn't want to ever eliminate it completely, but I definitely wanted to have me more in control of the situation than the screens in control of the situation, you know, um, because I was a bit worried that it would get get a bit mad as she got older. So, yeah, that was the plan. That was the plan. And how has it worked for you? Um, so it's funny because when I was thinking about this yesterday, I almost forgot about the conversation and not because we went totally backwards. Um, thank you. James's yogurt is all gone. Um, but because <laughs> the changes we made were so sustainable, I suppose they were small changes mm. and they um they allowed me to kind of keep them up, right? So one second I know PJ, I know we're live on air, but I have to open this old bar. You're okay, that's absolutely fine. That's he's absolutely got no tablet on. He's got no tablet. <laughs> Been so there, done fine. that, worn the t shirt, me if you're all right, girl. So basically the changes that I made were I cut out um, YouTube Kids off Emily's iPad. Right. So the red button, as she calls it, is no longer on the tablets and so longer on the phone. It's only on the telly. And the other thing that we did was we obviously put like drawing and puzzle apps and all that on the tablet instead. And then she'd only ever have the tablet kind of if I'm getting ready for work in the morning or close to bedtime. But then every other day we might say, oh, it's been charged or oh. It's being updated, so she'd never get it all the time. Do you know? So like, you so might she have never it has it two days running, no? Yeah, maybe like she might have it Monday, Tuesday, and then randomly, oh sorry, Emily, just charging on Wednesday, then Thursday, Friday. Oh sorry, Emily, we're up too late, having a bath, no time for it. Do you know? So I suppose it was more that it wouldn't become such an ingrained part of the routine is what I wanted to do, um, and that's worked. Because I suppose it was a small change. It was more realistic than wiping it out completely, you know? Yeah, yeah. How about James then? I mean, look, he's only two. I can hear him contributing to the conversation there behind us. Uh, and he's making, he's def- certainly making more sense than me. Can't speak for his mum. But, 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 <laughs> but, how, how's he dealing with it? What, what do you do with him? I mean, he's only two, so screens would be a small part of his life. Yeah, but you see, he copies Emily. And, like, that's why I had to make changes back when he was born because my fear was like I suppose he'd copy her and then I'd be dealing with two of them so at the moment like he has her old tablet and all he has is a Peppa Pig game on it okay. so he does get it when she has it because otherwise he's going to take hers out of her hand and then there's going to be war right <laughs> but so the fact that I caught like the YouTube kids was the biggest thing for me because I can't tell what she's looking at if I'm in the kitchen I can't see yeah. what she's watching on that um, so that's the biggest change I wanted to make and now he won't be looking for that on the tablet either because he doesn't see his sister have it you, YouTube you know? kids my my kids are far older now obviously they're they're grown up there was no YouTube kids wh- when they were of that age I would have thought that by the very definition it's as safe as houses oh, it's, oh it's, listen technically it is safe as houses and it's brilliant I have it on the television 
loads. Mm. Um, the difference is when it's on the TV, I can see what episode they're watching. When it's on the screen, like honestly, I'm not going to watch it with her because I'd be doing other things, so I'd have no idea. And my issue with it is that like, she's three and a half. She's very impressionable. So like she wants this toy, that toy, that toy. She wants to play this game. She... Uh, she wants she's obsessed with going to America she's it's so influential yeah. and that's good sometimes but some of the kids on it aren't really well behaved some of them have got really bad manners some of them do things I don't want Emily doing and I can't see that and talk to her about it if it's on a small screen okay. or if it's up on the telly in the front room if I'm walking past I can say oh you know what's happening there and just have a bit of a conversation. Yeah. So I'm not against YouTube kids at all. Oh, yeah, it's no, no, I was just wondering. I can't watch it. Yeah. I can't. I can't have it, yeah. Our house kind of missed the boat on that. You changed your own behaviour as well, Neve. Did, did that come kind of by accident, or did you always intend to? No, I suppose what happened was I was getting so busy with Sherlock, work, kids, own business, you know, yourself, yeah. the dogs, the cat, everything, um, that I felt I was under a huge amount of time pressure. I'm sure people can relate to this now. I just felt I was nonstop, hectic, hectic all day long. Um, yeah. So, again, all I started doing was when I finished work around half five to, let's say, after dinner, I tried to put the phone up on the counter in the kitchen out in the hall so that I'm not clung to it. Um, same at bedtime. There's, there's no phone at bedtime anymore um, for myself. And I still try to delete my social media apps once a week. Do, so just to get a bit of a break. Yeah, I just take them off my phone. They literally take two minutes to come off and two minutes to put back on. It's not like it's a huge event. But yeah, because I would sure I'd be scrolling and tapping and, and refreshing all day long like everyone else. So sometimes I'd literally have to just say, it's gone, it's gone, <laughs> Sunday yeah. morning until you know, Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. Um, and it just gives me a bit of a break and it just gives me a bit more time in the day yeah. because I'm not wasting all those seconds glancing and, and yeah. scrolling and stuff. And look, for Emily and James, I can't say to them, you can't watch YouTube Kids on your phone, but I'm watching Instagram Reels on my phone. Do you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to practice what you preach as well. But for me anyway, honestly, PJ, James will agree with you there now, you can hear him. Um, <laughs> It, it's just it just means that at dinner time, at breakfast time, at bedtime, I'm not looking at my phone, so I'm able to deal with them, and yes. then I'm less stressed. Yeah. Dinner table is a place where, and I watched this happen, as phones and screens became a bigger part of our life, you can't go to a restaurant, if you have a small child, without a screen. It amuses the child while oh, yeah. mom and dad or the older children enjoy their dinner. Do you do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, especially now at the age that James is Emily's a bit older so Emily now will use the colouring crayons you know, when the restaurants give you the menu with the colouring Yeah. so she'll do that for a while um, and she'll be chatting and singing and playing and then she'll go on the on the iPad doing drawing and puzzles and whatever um, James gets the Peppa Pig app absolutely because look I mean as I said she, two years ago and I think it's the reason it's stuck I wasn't trying to get rid of devices completely it's completely unrealistic to do that I just wanted to, I wanted to be able to take the reins myself and not have the apps drive our behaviour. Yes. And that was it. You wanted to be yeah. in control of them, not them in control of you. Absolutely. Because like if I can't put down the ground rules of the apps when the kids are two and four, I'm screwed when they get older. There is that. There is that. And for, for yourself as an adult, and like you said, running a business and a busy person, are there times when you have put the phone away and you're going, I need the phone, I need the phone. No, you can't have the phone. No, you can't have the phone. 
<laughs> Do you know, honestly, it reminds me of when I give up smoking. It is the exact same. Like, kind of like, should I have it? Should I just go check it? it it's it's unreal how similar it is to when I quit cigarettes. Really? But, um, oh, one, yeah. One yeah. look won't hurt me. One look won't hurt me. One poke Yeah, one. that's it. It's the exact same. I'm like, God, here I am again 10 years later. But um, honestly, for me, on the, on the work side and on, and on the personal news side, I have to take a break from it because I can feel the hyper building up. Yeah. You know, um, and the, oh, I must check. I must check in that kind of frenzy. Oh, when I get to there, I'm like, Neil, stop it. Put the phone away for an hour. You'll get everything done and you'll be fine again. And it gets easier when yeah. you do it a few times, do you know? Um, but um, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm no saint. Like, there have been days where I've walked around for a good two hours and realised my phone was attached to my hand for the entire time. Yes. So it happens. But it's important to take the breaks. And look, otherwise we get no work done. Because you're literally typing two words, then checking Instagram, then typing two words, checking TikTok. You know, like everything takes 10 times as long. Like, how, now, how long do you think you'll be able to sustain it with the lads, particularly um, when they go to, to school, for example? Yeah, so look, when they go to school, I think it's going to change again, right? So just like I did a couple, a couple of years ago, I'll take a look at what's available on the screen. Like, I'm not against screens, I'm more against... Mm. I suppose Emily having her shoulders hunched over, eyes stuck to it for long periods of time where she's not engaging with me, other people, or even the apps on the screen, you know. So I don't know when she starts primary school now again, we'll wait and see what the situation is there. Um, I probably, the YouTube kids thing, I probably try and keep it on the telly for as long as I can, just so I can keep an eye on it. But um, sure, why don't you put a note in the diary there, PJ? This time two years, we'll check in and we'll see what's going on. So we go January the 27th, 2025. Yeah, we'll can, see where can, we're at Can then. we book her in there, lads? We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. <laughs> Niamh, listen, great, great chatting with you and good luck with it. Thanks a million, PJ. And I'll talk to you again soon. You will. Two years' time to the day. Cheers, Niamh. So she decided that her children are not going to be ruled by their screens. She decided to take control of the screens before the screens took control of the house. Have you ever tried it? It's working for her. Now she says she, she had to do it herself. Put her own screens away and she struggles with it. But you know something that I did during the pandemic and I stuck with it. During the pandemic we were day in, day out, bombarded with all sorts of COVID-related stuff, and I started doing this thing when I go home from here in the afternoon and finish the bit of post-production that we do at home and maybe finish whatever recording work I'd have to do. Then I had music time, whereas I shut off the radio, I shut off the television, I shut and it was just music time. And today, the end of the week, Friday, Friday afternoon in my house is music time. There's no news bulletin watched, there's no newspaper read until tomorrow at the very earliest. It's it's it and it sustains my sanity. It did through it during COVID and it does you know, you gotta get away from the stuff that you work with uh, from time to time. Thanks, Nave. We're talking two years. Are you ready? Cork's ninety-six FM loves Irish music. As part of Irish Music Month this March on Independent Radio across Ireland, we want you to take part in our local hero talent search. If you're in a band or solo artist, you could be featured live on Cork's 96FM. It's your chance to win an overall €10,000 prize fund. Get your record released and have your music played on 25 independent radio stations across Ireland. For full details, see 96FM.ie. Irish Music Month.
month this March. Proudly supported by Hot Press, IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund on Cork's 96FM. Coming up in a while, I'll be talking to a shopkeeper who has refused to stock Prime and says people will be better off spending the money on their household bills than spending it on a grossly overpriced drink. That's coming up. But first, Claire, you were listening to Neve. You you tried the same thing, did you? Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Yeah, we, uh, my kids are just, well, just about 13 and 12. And we've been doing the exact same thing from the time they were born um, and made a conscious decision to do so. Now, we're, we're even stricter. Um, Cloda has just started secondary school. And she only just got her phone, actually, about two weeks before the school. Oh, how old um, is she? She's just 13 this weekend, You actually. held out to 13? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was the only one. And we had conversations about it, and she wasn't too happy. Um, I imagine some of them might have been screaming <laughs> matches, were they? <laughs> they were, she was actually okay about it. You see, we've, we've always... Uh, the way we did it from young kids, they didn't have it midweek at all unless there was something that they were especially stressed over and they might have it for an hour beforehand um, as a special treat. And they had it for between an hour, an hour and a half on a Saturday or Sunday. And on school holidays as well, they would, we would treat it as a weekend. They could choose their time. They never had it before bed. Um, They never had it before school. We never had TV before school. And it's just like your previous caller. I'm sorry, I forgot her name. Neve. Um, they just, it's, it's the way we've done it. Put it this way, we go to a restaurant now, going out for a treat, and they look around, my two kids at 12 and 13, God bless them, they look around, they say, mum, 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 mum. No, they do it quietly, thank God, and they don't point fingers, but look at them, look at them. That family over there, they're all on their phones, they're not even talking. And I just feel so proud of them yeah. that they can see the difference and we, we take out a pack of cards and the, the, the waitresses say to us every single time, we pay 45 and 110. And the, we've, we've actually... Hang on com- a while, Claire. No, yes, <laughs> you have do. an 11 and 12-year-old who play 45. They beat us at 110, yeah. We've played cards all our life. My I, I won't, dad, I won't tell you what age I am. I can't play either of those games. My, <laughs> well, and my I'm mother grown, was a dinger of a 45, Claire. <laughs> I'm grown up with this and it's just the way we've done it and we've had desserts comped by the waitress because they think it's gorgeous us playing cards you know it's just it's it's the way we do it now I and Neve mentioned as well she used to get off Instagram I write here at home and the odd time I'd be in the middle of a chapter or whatever and Colin will come in and obviously it's important to turn to them but the very odd time if I turn to my ass about his day and he comes in, he goes up and changes. And if he comes down and I'm still typing, he'll say it to me straight out. He's like, mommy. And he'll come. And I, I, I know then, oh, time to get away from the computer. And they deserve the same respect as they give us, you know. Um, it is working beautifully. It's, Claude had to sign a contract. We had to sign, a, and it was some contract. We sat down together and we did it. Um, we can look at her phone at any time. Uh, but she signed it, and it was one of the some of the conditions. There's about ten, eleven things on it. Go on, go through. Um, you can look at the phone any time. I have okay. to go into. I have to go into her bedroom. <laughs> it's, you know, you wrote it. You might remember some of it. Off top of your head. Um, I suppose we can look at it at any single time. Um, the hours she has between three hours or four hours at the weekend usage. Um, 
I we changed this one. I she wanted to go on chat rooms like in the the secondary school chat. She did so. It was unhealthy, and that's a new rule that we put in. Um, you're not allowed on the general chat ones. You can have your little friends that we know, so three or four. You can have a little group yourself. But um, we tried it on the group. Where and and who decided watch. it was unhealthy? Did she think it was, or did you? She she did. Um, oh. And I thank God she's a chatter, and and we would like me. <laughs> um, but we would chat about it, and she just she couldn't understand the there was some viciousness going on. She couldn't yeah. understand it why they were treating one another like that, and she felt sucked into it with the terms actually that she used and just she saw them you know, she her phone that's another rule her phone goes off at eight o'clock at night during the week and it literally just switches off she has a 999 option if anything you know is up she can ring myself or my husband um but, but is, it, is it automatically off. set to power off or does she turn it off it's, it's, no it's automatic oh. and to be fair to be fair for watching a movie she'd rather come out and watch the movie with us on the couch then use the last half hour of her phone, you know. I've never heard um, that, actually. You can set the phone to go off at a specific time. Yeah, the the family link, don't my husband, that did it, the family link, uh, it shuts down at 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock at the weekend. Now we're going to rejig it, I think, when she's 13 because she's been very responsible. Um, but these groups, she felt very negative and they started, and if you get involved in them at all, you start commenting, sometimes you can be targeted. And we decided, yeah, no, no, you're not going on them anymore. You're not missing anything. And I was actually the one that asked her to stay on the secondary school one so she could see what was going on and she could learn from people. Lurk. Good or bad. Look. She, could she lurk. didn't like it. Yeah. She could, no, lurk or look, yeah. um, you know. But she didn't like it. And she said, no, ma'am, I just want to come off it, you know. I just, I'm so proud of them. She's got a fine, can... sensible head on that young pair of shoulders. Oh, she does. Oh, she's a rock ascent. She teaches me sometimes. She's a beautiful kid. I know every parent thinks that. They're not perfect. My God, they have the good days and bad days. But I'm just so proud of them that they would prefer to take out a pack of cards and determine to beat their mum and dad during a meal rather than be flicking and flicking and flicking through. Now, I, I am on Instagram. I don't use it that much. I don't like technology, but I use it. Um, um I don't. I'm, I'm on Facebook. I've used it for a year. I've chatted to you before, cervical check and a few other things. Yeah. Uh, but like, I, I'm very wary of it, and I think it can take over the minds of our kids that they can think mm-hmm. nothing else, you know. And I just love my kids, and I think this world would be a far kinder place. I'm not naive. I'm on the ball for most things. I'd be, you know, a bit of a brain on me. Uh, But I think this world would be a kinder place if more parents uh, just took back a little bit of the technology time, you know? Do you know, Claire... More talking, less tech. Someone showed me this quiz one time Mm. um, where they asked people, what's the best invention of all time? And people said, the internet. And the next question is, what's the worst Mm -hmm. invention of all time? The internet. internet. And if we can teach our kids that, that's a good day's work for any parent. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It serves a purpose, but my God, the arms that you put around them and hug them and love them, chat to them, that's far more important. They learn more from it, you know. Mm. And the wisdom in their heads. The wisdom from it. They'd knock you for six, wouldn't they? Oh, they... (laughs) They teach us. They really yeah. do. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. And my, my my daughter's older now. She's in her 20s. And we have okay. great chats in the car. Yeah. 
yeah. And, and sometimes she gets out of the car and I think, she just gave me more sense in one minute. <laughs> Then you'll see on Facebook any day. In it, yeah, in a lifetime. Claire, good talking to you. Thanks very much. We wonder how how long it lasts until with that, you know, the great relationship they have with the screens. See where it goes. Good luck, Claire, and thanks. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. On the show, I can make you say things like this. Oh my God, thank you so, so much. It's the best news ever. You'll hear the odd person completely lose their mind live on the radio. And I guarantee the biggest tunes from these guys. Hey, I'm Demi Kennedy. Hi, this is Taylor Swift. Hey, this is Bruno Mars. Hey, hey, this is Lady Gaga. Make sure you're with me every afternoon on what station? Megan Six FM! Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Clonacilty Veggie Sausages, a taste you love, made with fresh vegetables. On Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Coming up. The shopkeeper who says you can keep your prime. I'm not stocking it. I'm not taking 14 quid or 15 quid off anybody for a bottle of coloured water. They can go and spend it on their electricity bills or more essential goods. That's coming up. 0818969696, the number. Also, uh, I got a, a private message overnight on my Twitter to say, yesterday morning, this is someone listening to the podcast, who said, I, yesterday morning, I started out by saying I'd seen something on the way into work that made me very happy. And then, like a complete idiot, I never said what it was. I, I saw it again this morning. And I'll tell you what, it, I promise, I promise, I'll tell you what it was before we quit today. 0818-96-96-96-96-96, the text or the WhatsApp. On tech addiction and trying to keep your kids from too much tech and too many screens, we were talking uh, to Neve in the last hour and then we had Claire on the phone as well about how they're trying to keep their kids away from screens. Bernie says, I think the lesson from those two calls is think twice about buying a tablet for your child because after that, it's a slippery slope. On the subject of tablets in restaurants, which Neve mentioned, while she allows them to use a colouring app, a lot of people give a tablet to a child and let them play movies and songs and the noise out of them, oh yeah. Oh, we've all been there, Bernie. We've all been sitting in the restaurant, especially on holidays. You've been sitting in the restaurant and you're... I would have my son brings a screen with him look you know why um, but you're there and the table next door has got two kids on it and one has Peppa Pig and the other has I don't know Barney the Dinosaur or something whatever they watch these days and the two of them are top value, volume and then mum and dad are shouting to be heard over the din and you're there trying to eat your dinner going oh would you ever shut anyway another thing Audrey you wished that someone had intervened with you a few years ago I think good morning <laughs> good morning how are, the, how are things in Hamburg good good <laughs> thank you rainy and cold oh crikey okay now, a bit like a bit like Cork so you're addicted to your phone 
Oh, awful. It really is awful. I mean, you know, that's what happens, I guess, when you run a business. You know, you're constantly updating your social media pages. You're getting requests from customers for parties or table bookings. So you kind of have to be, you know, on it pretty much a lot. Yeah. But um, to the point where, excuse me, my sleep is horrendous, or at least it was horrendous, with the hours that I worked. And um, I was waking up constantly in the middle of the night, you know, get up to go to the toilet or whatever, and my phone would be at the side of my bed, and I'd open it up and I'd have a scroll. I could scroll for an hour, yeah. And then it's four o'clock, and then it's you. You put it away, and then you're going, oh God, it's five o'clock now. Sure, the alarm's going to go off in an hour and a half, and then you're yeah, and then that's it. You just don't go back to sleep, and I did that for years yeah. until my and my husband was always saying to me, you should not have your phone in the bedroom. Yeah, it's going to play havoc with your sleep, and I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'll be, fi- I'm fine, I'm fine. So about three weeks ago, I bit the bullet, and I started leaving it downstairs, okay. next to his. And the difference in my sleep is unbelievable. I've gone from getting four hours to getting seven hours uninterrupted. And then you're not reaching out for the phone if you wait to go to the toilet or something. No, because I know it's not there. Yeah. No, it it took a good two weeks, ten days, two weeks of doing this, and now not a bother. I try not to look at it after eight nine o'clock at night, mm. and then I try not to pick it up until eight or nine o'clock the next morning. Yeah, the whole running a business thing, though. Like, if you look at it, like the, when I was out on the road as a reporter ten, fifteen years ago. I had a case, I had a box with stuff to use. Now you can go out on the road as a reporter with just a phone. Your office is in your phone. It's 100%. That's what it is. My phone, if I lost my phone, I yeah, I'm doomed. Okay, I have it backed up on a computer. And we all thought that was great. We all thought that was great, but actually it had its setbacks in that you could close your case or close the door of your office mm-hmm. At five mm-hmm. o'clock or six o'clock, but now you're carrying it with you yeah. in your phone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And when I see my screen time, my screen time has gone down a lot. But before I used, to, I started this, my screen time was terrible, awful. And did you have any sort of separation anxiety for the first couple of nights? For the first couple of nights, I did, and I put myself on a magnesium night tablets to help. Magnesium. Yeah with lavender in them and they helped an awful lot as well I think they've added to my good good sleep and do you now just put the phone away at night or do you turn it off put the phone away we have a charging station on the kitchen counter and that's where my husband puts his watch phone I put my watch and phone and that's it they're left there the watch watch is gone how do you how do you wake up uh, my husband gets up at half past six, quarter to seven for work. And uh, my son has to get up at seven because school starts here at 8 a.m. And yeah. he has to leave by half past seven to get to school. So we're up early anyway. The old-fashioned alarm clock? Alarm clock, yeah. Yeah, I yeah but I would, be awa- I would be awake just slightly before the alarm clock anyway, I think. I see. I got gotcha. you. So yeah. you're glad you made, you, you're, you're glad you made oh. the change? 100%. The phone will never come back into the bedroom. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Going from having four hours to seven hours yeah. is just incredible. Yeah. 
and un, uninterrupted. That's that's interesting. That's that. I would like to say that I will try it, but I honestly don't have. I don't have the cojones to try it. I'm I'm the same oh. as you. I'm very same. I woke. I said to Fergal, I came in this morning. I said I'm a little bit tired. I didn't sleep very well, and I woke. I woke to go to the loo at about half three, twenty to four, and something had pinged on the phone overnight. So I thought I'll look at it. I shouldn't have, and I was twenty minutes. That's the worst thing. That's twenty what I minutes used to do because people would send in reservation requests at like four, five, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and. I, I mean, I don't know why I didn't put the phone on silent, but anyway, that's another story. Um, but and then I would hear the bing, and I'd open the phone, and I'd reply <laughs> at four in the morning, like the big fool. Well, like the big fool that I am. <laughs> and then these people must be thinking, "My God, what a great service! Twenty-four hour uh, answer uh, service here for reservations." Oh, actually, I, I was reading the Examiner at twenty to four this morning. Like, this is uh, ridiculous! Stop. Ridiculous! It's, well, I try it honestly, PJ. Try it and. Get yourself some night magnesium tablets and you won't look back. All right. Cheers, Audrey. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Oh, Mary and Douglas is not happy with me. Or is she happy with me? It looks like a bit. Sometimes when you get a, a long message marked Mary and Douglas and it starts off with, I make no apologies, <sighs> I get nervous. I'll read it next. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah, people ringing in about magnesium as well. It's very good apparently, for uh, for relaxing you and, and to promoting sound sleep. You see, I remember back to Big Jim Kremen in the chemistry lab in Colosh de Cristri showing us what he could do with magnesium and the thoughts of eating it, putting it into my body. Going, no, not touching that stuff. But maybe I should think about it. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96FM. The Matter Foundation is asking people across Cork to challenge themselves by walking, jogging or running 100 miles this February. Get outdoors, get active and help raise vital funds to enhance cardiac care in the Matter Public Hospital. Get your 100 miles in a month t-shirt and miles chart to track your progress. Visit matterfoundation.ie to learn more and register today. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Corks 96fm. I get to Mary's message about screens in just. I think a lot of people will agree with Mary, to be perfectly honest, about screens in restaurants with kids. They, they are what they are, and, and they are a godsend in one sense. I admit that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But Gary is at Horgan's Food Store in Buttevant, and you put up a post, Gary, on your Facebook. You could make money out of Prime, couldn't you? Good morning. Oh, good morning. Nice to talk to you again, PJ. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we could make a. A decent amount of money, not nothing substantial, but um, I suppose one thing I want to kind of get say first is that. I mean, on a 14 or 15 euro bottle of Prime, a retailer would make about 20%. So um, there's not a lot of money there for a retailer to be made. Someone is making the money, not the retailer. Yeah. Um, I could have jumped on the bandwagon and you could, you sold a lot. Up there in, in Buttevant, if you'd be the only yeah. stocker, stockist, you could lob another, the way things are, you could lob another euro onto it and no one would notice. 
Yeah, I could, I could, I, some places, some people are charging 20, 25 euros a, a bottle. I, I, I have a conscience and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it to myself and I couldn't do it to the shop. Um, so you're surprised, really did your suppliers come to Gary and say, would you take I've, it? I've had many, yeah, I've had many, many reps. No, 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 none of your mainstream cash and carries, you would have reps who are guys in vans who will bring it into the country and they're knocking on doors and offering it to you. Um, you're, you're looking at about 10 euro cash sale or 12 euro with an invoice, with that invoice. So if I'm buying it at 12 euros a bottle, I'm going to need to charge 14, 15 euro a bottle. I just couldn't do it. I, it's torn between a rock and a hard place. Obviously, you want I'm in mean, business to make money, but I couldn't justify charging 15 euro for a bottle of energy drink considering what's going on at the minute I, sp- I spoke to you last week about my bill in Eggman stores yeah. <laughs> I could I could make a lot of money and pay off those bills I couldn't just do it um, it's it, it's not it's not right <laughs> yeah. um, those bottles normally retail probably two dollars two dollars fifty in the US yeah. maybe yeah. three 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 pounds well any other energy drink that you might Stock without necessarily naming one. What would you? What would you charge? What would you be paying for a bottle of similar? Shall we say similar? Anything between two and three euros. Right, and you'd pay for your 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 like for like bottle or can five hundred ml bottle or can between two and three euros. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you, yeah, you you want it's, your customers to to spend their money on on better things. I'd, I'd much rather someone, a, a mother or father or whoever came in with a child and and bought 15 euros worth of groceries from me. They're getting value. They're getting the lunches made for the week. I'd much rather see that than a mother and, say, two kids coming in and spending 30 euros on two two drinks. Yeah, which are gone um, before you're out the door. Yeah, and also I, I'd, feel, I'd feel guilty for the parent actually handing over the money because of whatever the children's seeing on social media, their friends, school, whatever. And the parents have been put in a, in a hard position. Obviously, a par- as a parent, you want to give your child what they want, was within reason. Yeah. I wouldn't like to, a, a parent stand in front of me knowing that they maybe can't afford this or maybe they can and having to fork out 15 euros for a drink. I don't want to put the parent in that position also. Um, well, fuel bills. Have- Look at the fuel bills. People are getting gas bills or six, seven and eight hundred euro, Gary. That fifteen yeah, quid yeah, could go towards a bill. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's it exactly. Um putting food on the table, putting diesel in the car, you know what I mean? And if they have the extra few bob you can put it towards a weekend away or a night out or whatever. But don't go spending fifteen euros on, on a on a bottle of energy drink and and so that's the point we wanted to get across. We're we get messages every day and people coming in asking us, will we do it? And we were considering it, yeah. but not at that price. If the price comes down in line with other energy drinks, then I will consider it. But at the minute, I couldn't justify it. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't be right. And we've built up a brilliant reputation in Cork for what we do for the confectionery side and minerals and whatever else we do for parties and stuff. I don't want to ruin that. <laughs> no, I think it's a crikey... Colleen Rooney. Oh, yeah. You've heard of her? 
Do you know Colleen Rooney? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how much she just spent on Prime for a birthday party for her son? I don't even want to know. Oh, you do. You want to know. She went out, Colleen Rooney, and she bought Prime for her son's birthday and she spent £4,000 sterling. That's that's crazy. Obviously, she can afford it. She can well afford it, but at the same time... Well afford it. But you see, isn't she then, Gary, isn't she perpetuating the problem that you, if you were stocking this stuff, you have a mum at the counter with her eggs and her bread and her rashers and her milk, and you have a smallie going, mammy, 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 mammy. Yeah, it's all keeping up with the Joneses, I suppose, and just to, I suppose emulate what they see online, social media, TV. But those kind of people don't live in the real world. Those, you know the other those thing, influencers. The other thing thinking, and do we need to know? I mean, if yeah, like you said, Colleen Rooney can well afford it. Absolutely, she can well afford it. And the blessings of God to her. I don't, I don't begrudge it to her. But of course, she also mm-hmm. has to keep herself relevant by telling the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's her job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, my job here is to offer the product I have to people who can afford it and people who want to spend their money in, the, in a shop like mine. I don't want to go and spend something or uh, bring in a product that is going to that is gonna put me under pressure and also customers under pressure. Yeah, well, you know what, Gary? I hope that you're tearing busy as a result of that and that parents know they can go into Hargan's Food Store in Butterfield and it is a prime-free zone and they won't be coming under all, any kind of pressure. Thanks, Gar. 0818 96 96 96. Colleen, I don't mind Colleen Rooney or anyone like her paying four grand sterling for Prime for a birthday party. I don't mind. But, of course, it's, it's the need to stay in the public eye, the need to keep myself re- re- relevant that she goes along and she says, oh, I just paid €4,000 for Prime. Go away, missus. We don't care. Or rather we do, I guess. We're just reading, and I'm feeding the machine now. 0818 96 96 96. On screens for kids. This from Mary and Douglas. PJ, I have three kids under the age of five. God bless and spare you. And I make no apologies for giving them all screens when we're at a restaurant. We bring them out to dinner two or three times a month. Charge up to three phones and stick pepper and wolfu and cocomelon or anything that'll give us an hour's peace while we enjoy our dinner. I like a glass of wine. My husband just sits there devouring his food and we enjoy the peace. We tried to bring them out with no phones and believe me, it's carnage. There was usually one lying on the floor screaming, another jumping up on the table and the third trying to get out the restaurant door. I do sometimes see people looking at us and they're probably thinking, thinking, oh, that's a disgrace. Those people don't have three kids under five. I make no apologies. We try to keep the volume low, though, as I do find it annoying when kids' tablets are too loud. Yes, that's from Mary in Douglas. And you're not wrong. It is a chance for mum and dad to have dinner in peace. and the chi- Like, once the four chicken nuggets and the, and the fistful of chips are gone, that's dinner over. Or at least it used to be. And yes, tablets and screens are a game changer there. 
I think this on the phone, I think someone should mention that tablets are very helpful in regulating kids with autism. So there's a role for them. My son's vocabulary, he, he's nonverbal, has come on so much from using his tablet and watching productive videos about the alphabet and numbers. It's very regulating for kids with autism. There's 100% a place for them for children with autism. He's not on it all day, every day, but an hour or two most days. And I don't know how we'd cope without it as it keeps him happy and regulated. Well, anyone who's ever seen us out, and my boy is is 25 now, but he brings his iPad with him when we go to dinner because he'll wolf his food and then he's bored. So he goes on his iPad and he now he's does his music, he listens to music and he might watch a video but it's all about it. music is, is everything to him and he'll watch his music watch his videos heavy metal mostly and other stuff and we get to have our, our dinner in peace, it, it is part of, of him going out but yeah because of you know the way he is and it is a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. But I, I do love Mary. She makes no, no apologies for three kids under the age of five and giving them all screens. But what would happen if you hadn't done it in the first place, Mary? Supposing you hadn't done it in the first place, not given them the screens. How do you think you'd be doing now? <laughs> I know, I know. You'd be getting McDonald's drive through and liking it. I know you would. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Live free in 23. Oh my god. With Cork Credit Unions, here for you always. Spending money, money. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, last chance on the opinion line to qualify for the final of Live Free in 23. The final is on Monday morning, the 30th, with Casey and Ross live on Cork's 96 FM. Brought to you by Cork Credit Unions, here for you always. What's in that prize bucket? It's just so, so much. Thousand euro worth of fuel, which will be very valuable, seeing as they're going to put the price of the petrol up again at the end of February. They're going to increase the prices again, so they tell us, because you couldn't possibly keep the prices down. Thousand euro on fashion, credit union account with a grand in cash and your name on it. Let's see, can we find someone to go through to Monday morning's final draw? Let me see. Doot, doot, 
do, two, do, do, three. Now, I hope you answer this phone and I hope you answer it properly. Come on. Come on. Oh, for the love of God. We'll, be try it. we'll try it one more time. Oh, here we go. The joys. The joys, the joys, the joys. Here we go. All right. Six. Uh -huh. Come on. Answer the phone. Hey! Answer it. And answer it properly. Don't say hello. Come on. Come on. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Come on. Hi, this is Sarah. I can't get to my phone right now. So if you want to leave your name and your number, I will call you back. Sarah, this is PJ at 96FM. You just missed your chance to qualify for Live Free in 23. Sorry about that. Try again later. Now, let's do another one. All right, here's one more for us. I, 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 that's the first thing that's happened, actually. I think I got the voicemail. All right, here's one for us now. Six. Different number. Answer your phone. Answer the phone. Answer the phone. Come on. Come on. I want to live for you record 96 FM. Hello, Georgia. How are you? How are you? <laughs> yes. Winner, winner, chicken. <laughs> well, you won a place. Get that phone closer to your head, will you, before I can talk to you. You, you won a place in the final on Monday morning. Oh, if you're not in, you can't win. If you're not in, you can't win. And do you know what happened? Did you hear what happened? The first number I rang I know. was Sarah, and it went to voicemail. She's going to kick herself around her? the house when she gets I'm the voice. sick for her? <laughs> you are now. You're sick for her. You are, yeah. No, I'm, I'm secretly delighted. Like, Of course but. you are. Of course you are. <laughs> Georgia, what would you do with all that money? The holiday. I mean, this is the weekend where people start booking. It's the last couple of weekends. Bit of, you know, where would you, where would you go? Anywhere. Anywhere. Come on, pick something. Anywhere. A bo a Bora Bora. Bora Bora. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just up beyond the room, isn't it? There's somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where it is. Just give me somewhere. <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> Supermarket shopping, fashion, computers, hair and beauty, takeaways, tickets for the marquee. All the above. Give it to me. You <laughs> well, Monday morning, you need to be listening <laughs> with Casey and Ross on... On Monday morning, the 30th, and you're gone in to qualify for that particular draw. All right? Unreal. Thank where, you, where, so are you, much. Where, are you where are you, Georgia? What part of the world are you in? You're not in, Bora, not in Bora Bora. Where are you? Where? I wish. I'm in Grange. You're in Grange. All right. Yeah. Lads, I'll put it back onto you there so you can get more deets off her. That's Georgia, our last qualifier from the opinion line on Live Free in 23 with Cork's 96 FM. And second time of asking. And Sarah, 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 Sarah. She's kicking herself around the house. Isn't it fun when that happens? Now, there was a rally on the Grand Parade yesterday um, to demonstrate that refugees are welcome in Cork. It was organised by the group International Community Dynamics and they say the vast majority of Irish people are welcoming to those who come here seeking international protection.
That rally took place in Cork last evening. Maure Tuig from the Cork's 96FM newsroom was there and she spoke to some of those who were attending. Say it loud, say it clear. Refugees are welcome here. Say it loud, say it clear. Refugees are welcome here. My name is Rose Lamol. I'm the CEO and founder of International Community Dynamics. And we're organizing this, uh, this rally against uh, the right wing and, and the anti-refugee sentiments that are being... Uh, spread these days yeah it's spreading all over ireland you've probably seen all the protests uh, people being misinformed and 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 coming up blaming housing crisis and everything else on on refugees which is not fair it's not fair on the refugees and it's also uh, causing a lot of fear uh, not only in the hotels where they were protesting but everywhere and also in the hotels here in cork uh, not hotels uh, direct provision centers here uh, people are worried and uh, I think we need to show them that the majority of Irish people are behind them and, and, and support them. How, how does it make refugees feel? Have they been confiding in you and telling you? Well, they're shocked, you know, uh, especially I, I have one uh, who is on our board of management. We work, so half of our board are refugees and uh, our volunteers as well live in that provision still. And um, they're shocked because he said, I thought I came to Ireland because it's known for protecting human rights. And he said, I looked through my window so he sent me a video from Ballymun when they were protesting there and he said I'm so shocked Rose and the way they are frightening mothers and children is just horrendous so uh, and, and here as well we have some people here from that provision here in Kinsale Road they're very worried they're very worried and their children are asking when are they coming to us you know Gloria Zulu. Uh, you sang a song um, here at the, the rally today. Can you just tell me a bit about the song and the meaning behind it? Yeah, the meaning of the song, we, we, we were singing it before the release of Mandela, our black president in South Africa. So it, it, it's very spiritual and emotional because we were like asking ourselves that why we as dark-skinned people are treated like that. And it was, you know, it, people were killed by that time and it wasn't an easy days so that's why i was so emotional after singing it because it took me back because i'm one of the survivors from during apartheid while the strike was like my name is michelle i think it's very important uh, that people speak out um, we're very lucky in ireland their right has never taken a particularly strong hold we are seeing a change in that and i think it's very important not to have more angry shouting people but just to showcase that the people who are outside direct provision or accommodation centers and who are scaring families um this is not all irish people and that there is support out there i personally think that uh, protest is supposed to be aimed at people in power or people who have the power to change what you want changed anyone who is in those centers did not choose to be there the state has chosen for them to be there um and i for me that is not protest i think it's just blatant racism to be honest and some of the things that are being said through the gates um for me would definitely come under hate speech and i feel that it's not fair that it hasn't been enacted and i think i'm very proud of the laws that we have around that stuff in this country and having the opportunity to speak at the rally today, what does that mean to you? Um, I hadn't actually planned, to be honest, uh, but there was someone heckling and was kind of, you know, what about all the Irish? I was saying some things that I found uh, to be factually incorrect. Um, and I suppose I felt that as an Irish woman, I have um, 
an obligation to speak up from my perspective as well. There you go. That was people attending last night's demonstration in the city to, to demonstrate that refugees are welcome, their argument being that most Irish people, there is a very loud but a small cohort who would not welcome refugees to our country, but that they say most people welcome refugees and those seeking international protection. Thanks to Maureen for that. Remember this morning earlier, I was talking to Luke, uh, who is homeless. Uh, he's living in the Travelodge and has been living there for uh, just over a year now. And at the end of that conversation, we talked a little bit about modular homes. We talked a little bit about just building parks and putting these modular places into them. I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that because there's been a bit of a reaction to it and a bit of a reaction to Luke in general. But there's a whole new term. Well, it's new to me. At least it was a couple of weeks ago. Now it's everywhere. Uh, Nepo babies or Nepo babies, nepotism babies. This is where somebody gets a job or gets a start or gets a gig because of, the perception is because of who their father was or who their mother is. Like Eve Hewson, for example, is Bono's daughter. Now, Eve Hewson, I was a fan of Eve Hewson before I knew she was Bono's daughter. And when it was, I saw the name Hewson, I said, Hewson, Hewson. And I looked, she's damn good in her own right. But there were people who look at Eve Hewson and they say, oh, she's a Nepo baby. She only got that gig because of who her dad is. Personally, I think it's a horrible thing to say. But look, it's a question being asked. Are children who are born to if you like, privilege and opportunity, do they get access to a start in life that others don't? Do people get, do some children get their first job because of who their parents are? It's a big, it's, it's a big debate. It's a very strange subject of conversation to be looking at a person and saying, oh, there's a very talented young person and thinking, and they're very good at their job and they're really, oh, but they only got that job because who their dad is. Vanessa, it, 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 it does sound like a bit of begrudgery, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning, and it's good to talk to you again. Happy New Year. And to you. Um, it, it is. There's, there's a lot of begrudgery. Uh, and I think the reason for it is, is that if you go back, this is not the idea of um, children taking after the parents in their industry is nothing new. I mean, Carrie Fisher, for instance, was one of the most beloved stars. Um, and her mother was Debbie Reynolds. Yes. Uh, there is an argument to be made. It was never made at the time, thankfully, that she only got the Star Wars gig because of who her mother was. Yeah. Very unfair to her. It's it's very unfair. It's very unfair. But the idea of it is, is right now we live in a technology age that we've never seen before. So people are Googling and following these celebrities and their families. Mm. And they've never been able to do that before. And for, for arguments, like it, it could be argued that 50 years ago, you'd keep your family separate to your work. Yeah. Now what's happening is Instagram, you have Facebook, you have uh, all of these new technologies. And so people are following the children. Um, the Smiths are a perfect example of that. Jaden Smith um, became Karate Kid. Yeah. yeah. And the reason why people knew him was because of Will Smith. Yeah. yeah. Nobody knew who he was. Yeah. Except for Will Smith's son. But, and but for he, a long time, he was still he could good, never though. be seen. 
oh, he was very good. But he could never be seen as himself. He was always seen until he proved himself. He was always seen as, oh, that's, that's Will Smith's son. Half the people who were watching him didn't even know his name. Yeah. They just knew it was Will Smith's son. Yeah. Well, I, I use the the example of, of Eve Hewson because, yes. as I said, I, I love what she does. I've seen her in a few things. I love what she does. And I literally was watching Hewson, Hewson, Hewson. And she's, she's Irish. Could she possibly be? And then I looked at it. I never yes. for a second thought, oh, she only got that because of who her dad is. Never for a second. Yeah. Yes, but again, I think you come from a generation. I think I'm the last generation to not follow celebrities that closely. Yeah. Um, in an age of technology, of, of social media, everybody is following uh, their their favorite celebrity and their children and everything else. And to some extent, yes, some do use their parents' fame. And yeah. why the hell not? If, if you get the opportunity to do something you love and you're given... like. I know, I know yourself. If someone offered you your dream job tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Um, and they said it's it. Well, you know, I love what your parent does. Yeah, in the same industry, are you going to say, "Oh no," because you like you like my parents, so I'm not going to do it? No, you're going to take every you opportunity know. that's offered you. Of course you are. Course and it, it is begrudgery. It is begrudgery that the same opportunities are not given to people who've genuinely worked for it or or the perception is they've genuinely worked for it. You don't know what that child has done in the years up to taking that role or taking that music career, et cetera, et cetera. You don't know how much they've worked yeah. to get out of the, the shadow of their parent. Yeah, and there's the thing, to get out of the shadow of their parent. You know, like, I, I think it must be a burden as much as it's a privilege to be a famous person's son or daughter. It can be. But again, it, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, and, and it depends on the personality. Again, with um, with the likes of Snapchat and uh, Instagram and stuff, a lot of young, uh, a lot of children of celebrities will use their celebrity parent in, I don't know, a Snapchat to say, oh, look, Here's my my parent, you know, um, and they will use their fame just to actually get uh, attention themselves. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, yeah, but it takes away from the hard work that that individual has done on their own merit. Yeah, there's a kind of a a, a wider discussion, isn't there, Vanessa, about you know what your fa- what what your family before you did and and what it gets for you. Like there's a study from KPMG a while back that said social class is the biggest barrier to career progression. We'd, we'd accept that, wouldn't we? That, you know, Absolutely. Social class, or where you come from, can, can help. It can make a huge difference, especially with the resources as a young person to get ahead in life. And the education privileges that you're given, um, it, can, it can make a huge difference. I mean, for me, um, my mum it was a lone parent and she was disabled. So the idea of us going to college was absolutely non-existent. I went back uh, as a mature student to university because I got it in my head that I didn't deserve to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I was the first one in my family to graduate university. Yeah. And there was 11 children with my mum. Yeah. And I was the first one to do it. And that gave the onus to everyone else to try. And then that you've got a child of your own. Yeah. 
what what when when it comes to teaching him about those things, what will you pass on? I'll pass on as much as I can. Um, but for me, I won't be. I I won't try to dictate how he feels about something. I I'll, I'll try to guide him. Um, but I'll allow him to make his own decisions. I mean, I I got into arguments because I'm not religious. I got into arguments with family about not doing the whole Santa Claus thing. Um, I got into arguments about not doing a christening. Um, and they just couldn't understand why I didn't want to do it. Oh, but it's for him. It's like, well, it's for him, but he will decide when he's old enough what he wants to believe. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's... You, you, Santa Claus, he won't, Santa Claus won't be coming to visit him, no? No, he will get what he wants. We, we will do the whole gift giving thing because, again, we can teach him about the traditions, um, but we won't be beholden to them. Okay. Um, That's an interesting... So, Interesting. But when it comes to when it comes to education, yeah, my main thing will be you can do whatever the hell you want, and do not allow social class, do not allow who you know and who you don't know stop you from doing whatever the hell it is you want. There's another thing, and that, that is that a powerful bo- message. There's another thing that bothers people too, Vanessa, and I came across this in my own life when my daughter named to us the secondary school she wanted to go to, and she got in there, but we discovered that there was a certain bias and there is a certain bias if you have had a sibling in the school or if your mother went to the school or your father went to the school there's an automatic advantage for you to getting into that school should that be done away with i think so i think um well now part of that is because they want to keep the people who are in the area with small children in the area that's what it's trying to promote but what it actually does is it means that children um, and when you're talking about spe- secondary school, especially, there's so few places mm. um, and it's so difficult to get a space that yet yeah, I don't begrudge parents for using that method. My sister has used it mm. um, because of the circumstances. My grandparents passed away. She was forced to move in with my mum um, because rental sector collapsed. And then she had to send her children to the local school. The only reason why she got in was because... Her cousins were there. Yes. Yes. Um, so she has used it. I'm not going to say we haven't used it. We have. Yeah. The issue with it is, is if you are new to an area, you have less of a chance to actually socially integrate into that area. Mm. And yeah. so I would love to see um, the abolishment of that provision. Simply for the fact of fairness, you shouldn't have to travel two hours to school or an hour and a half to school through traffic just because of where your family is from. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Come back to the the Nepo baby thing. There's one in particular, and I again, I had no idea. I know who she was because I know how important New York Magazine is. You take Pamela Wasserstein. I I know who she is. She's the woman who runs New York. I didn't know her dad bought it for her. But then yeah. I thought, where's the problem with that? <laughs> you know, where's the pro- I mean, if you buy a business, if you buy a business, are you going to pick someone else's child to run it? I think the, the well, I think the argument is if you buy a business or if you're in business, instead of giving it to potentially the best person suited for that role, you give it to a family member. And we've seen that in in, um, in politics here. 
Yeah. Where uh, in in offices they're hiring their spouses, they're hiring their children, they're hiring their sisters and their brothers, not the person that is best suited to the role. And that's the big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in terms of family running things, it's trial by fire to see if they can actually do it. Um, but that's the big issue. It's it's the question is is this the best possible person for that role, or are they just getting it because of their relationship to the owner? Yeah, it's true. It's true. And the issue is the the big issue is we hear about it in celebrities all the time, but we don't hear about it in normal day to day business. You know how many CEOs are there because their parents were CEOs of the same company? Yeah. Yeah. And the recommendations, and it creates a little subculture. Yeah, you're a lot of ad- you're a, lot, a lot of jobs that are advertised, and then go to family or friends of family, and then the people who've applied think it's you know they think it's a fair shake, and it's not a fair shake. And that that's yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's it's understandable to feel that way when, especially when you yourself has been jilted over someone who you don't believe is qualified for the job. Um, and I've seen it myself. Yeah. I really have seen it myself. But at the end of the day, people are going to do what they're going to do. Um, and if you can get family a, a bit of a leg up, you're going to do it. Put yourself in their shoes. You're going to do the exact same thing with your children. If you have a good business, you're going to bring your child in to learn the, the tricks of the trade. It's human nature, isn't it? Yeah, because we're designed uh, to protect our children and to teach our children. Um, now, and whether to, and to provide to, to for a, our children, yeah. yeah, and so it is begrudgery when you see someone else getting that leg up, and you're sitting there like, "Well, hang on a minute, I deserve this, or my sister deserves this, or whatever." It is begrudgery, but that's human nature yeah. to covet what others have. It is, it is. Vanessa, leave it with you. Always a pleasure to talk. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Is it a problem? When someone has famous parents, that they get the job, or like if you bought a business that was ever rich enough to buy a big business, is it a problem if I put my son or my daughter in charge? Like, what else am I going to do? The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. Thank you to my pal Terry on Twitter. Um, according to Terry, a certain Mr. Burke has been barred from a certain pub. You know what I'm talking about. I have the picture. I will I will send it up on all my socials later. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. 0818969696 into the last hour of the week. I know he's the gift that just keeps on giving. He's back at the school this morning. I don't know what they're going to do with him now. They're going to drag him away kicking and screaming or just find him a whole pile of money. But he turned up this morning. On tablets and phones and leaving your phone outside the bedroom, Audrey was on to me from Hamburg in Germany. She decided a few weeks ago to leave her phone outside her bedroom and to put it away after eight or nine in the evening and said she is sleeping better. She's gone from sleeping just four hours a night and waking up for 20 minutes of useless scrolling 
to now sleeping seven hours a night unbroken just because she left her phone outside the bedroom. Andrew was back and on to say, I, since the new year, I've left my phone outside the bedroom. My sleep is totally different, totally changed for the better. And I'm waking now at normal o'clock few more on screens and phones and all that kind of thing. Some stuff on modular homes. Some responses to Luke from earlier. Some of them not very kind. But I will get to them uh, in the course of the hour. 0818 96 96 96. I also will promise, I promised to tell you what it was I saw yesterday morning that made me very, very happy and saw it again this morning and put a smile on my big eejity face as I came into work. I'll get to that. But did you see last weekend a horrible, horrible video. I, I I tweeted myself, and I make no apology for saying this. I tweeted, I'm not a violent man, but that somebody in that car towing that little donkey needed a robust conversation with the business end of a fire, five iron. I And I make no apology for saying that, even though I'm not a violent man. Cathy Davy from My Lovely Horse Rescue, that video of the little donkey, you, you people have seen it all over social media. It's a picture of a car in Eden Derry, up the country, and tethered onto the back of it is a little donkey who's really struggling. And in in you can see the anxiety in, in the poor little mite. That's the word I can think of. Being dragged behind that car. Cathy Davy from my lovely horse <laughs> rescue. It was such an upsetting thing. I was I was sitting having my dinner at an event, Cathy, and I was scrolling between courses and I saw this awfully sad video morning yeah good morning yeah you have to see it to believe it it's something that really has affected um, the nation and outside of Ireland big time and I think the time for people passing cruelty on the road and laughing going oh sure Ireland (laughs) Uh, I think those days please God are coming to an end because that was one of our friends, uh, one of our volunteers, who who stopped the car and made sure she got the video evidence what of what's happening, of what is normally accepted on the road, you know. And even though it is upsetting, people really don't know what to do. But but here is great proof that if you stop and you video it, even though you're dying to get out and bash the people who are doing it, if you just video it, then then the police. They have to act and they have the evidence to prosecute. Uh, we don't know if this person will be prosecuted, but definitely the animals were taken away from him. Right, because that was one of the questions being asked when the video went around initially. Like, why did you just film it? Why didn't you do something? Yeah. Well, everyone loves to give out to someone who's actually gone and done something. She, you know, she's 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 shorter than me and I'm a short artist. <laughs> she's yeah. a tiny woman. There were two men in the car doing this. She stopped, she went up, she videoed it and she confronted them if they were going to get out. She did what she had to do. Um, but anyone saying, if that were me, I'd bash them. Well, we've yet to see the proof that you would. This this woman actually yeah. got, got the proof. And like you said, she's, she's a small woman. Yeah. She, how would she have fared against two burly men if they decided to turn on her? You know, that's, that would be, you know, yeah. You need yeah, to be very, very had, careful. If she had gotten out and just gone to abuse whoever the abuser was, we wouldn't have been able to have the evidence to get the guards to come and act. So, yeah. you and know. Under what law then, Cathy, can they intervene? And what did they do, by the way? Um, well, there's loads of laws. And um, I think it's it's pretty much the main one is 
the old school safety, uh, the Road Safety Act would be uh, violated. But then there's um, there's new laws that came in. I think it was 2000 and 2013, where the uh, Irish laws for animal protection got a, a, a bit more involved um, in helping guards and, and authorised officers to actually take animals away from people there and then. So it's evidence. It's evidently a, it's it's what's the word I'm looking for? It's obviously an animal in distress being caused distress by a person, um, and the the fact that it's the rope was being pulled down, the animal was breathing heavily in 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 extreme distress, um, and it was very dangerous for the animal. Um, it was just causing all sorts of of harm to an animal. In, in and it was being tugged along in such a way the poor little thing was unsteady on its feet. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah, she was she was being dragged basically, and if she if she um, there was something very very wrong, um, and the the pain of the rope around the head going into the mouth and pulling, and she couldn't get a breath, and she was trying to just stay on her feet as she was being dragged, so all sorts of wrong. And, and, and look, I, I was I'm, I'm I could be totally left field here, Cathy. Just please don't please tell me she wasn't pregnant. I got one look at her, I thought she was pregnant. Well, donkeys do put on fat in, in all sorts of kind of interesting ways that make them look pregnant. So we don't know, know okay. yet. Okay. She's in she's in um, hungry horse outside the pound at the moment, um, and uh, and I think they're going to just let them settle. Okay. Um, but so whether such she a was lovely harmless creature, like such a beautiful animal, and do you know what? We're all kind of the fact that. Uh, the fact that that video was was put up online and got a response means that we're moving forward, mm. because this is this is not the worst that goes on, you know. It That's is what I wanted really to ask not you about. the worst that goes on. That, that, it's just that, that it was upsetting to it, it. It it was it touched a nerve with with our you know Ireland who loves donkeys, the most like living teddy bears. But it's not the worst that's going on. I think yeah, it's not the worst that's going on, but it's one that we got to see, and that's what another yeah. reason I want to talk to you, Kathy, because you and your colleagues, to to, to you, you've seen worse. Yeah, yeah, of course we've seen worse, and and um, and have to deal with with what goes on, and and in a way we. This is very upsetting, and you put it up, um, and you're able to carry on. But a lot of people who would see that video actually would, their you know week would be ruined, or they'd be haunted by those images. Um, but I think, and we all believe in my lovely horse rescue. We have to start showing exactly what's going up on, and show that people are brave enough to try and stop it because. We're used to growing up in a country where we see cruelty on the streets as normal life and we're kind of desensitised to it in the way that, well, that's just what happens and it's Ireland and it's normal. Um, and, and I think we need to start saying, no, this is blatant cruelty and this is what you can do about it and they will be prosecuted. Yeah. You, you've, you've asked, I think your organisation has asked the guy, the commissioner, to take a sterner line on this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we were just trying to make everyone who needed to see this see it. Um, and he was tagged in that video. Um, and I think we're going to just do that with with every video that's sent in of, of cruelty because sometimes we feel like we're sent the stuff that people feel if they send it here, there and other places that are the normal avenues, they don't get responses. Um, whereas... I think the feeling is 
there's only a few places you can send it to where something might be done um and and the feeling is that we're one of those places and um and definitely getting a response from from a large audience puts pressure on the authorities there's no two ways about it so do you know one yeah. of the things that struck me when I saw it and saw how viral it went? In the days, literally just days after we'd been talking about little Jenny the donkey in the Banshees yeah. of Insheeran. Yeah. And, and how many people have seen it and go, ah, oh, would you look at Jenny? And Jenny gets a, men, a, a mention at the Golden Globes and the BAFTAs <laughs> yeah, and all these. And yeah. here's little Jenny or something yeah. like her been dragged behind a car. I think that struck an even more exposed nerve of people i think uh i think so i think um it's it's uh, fortuitous the timing um that that little jenny is in the minds and now here's something just as innocent being treated like um like a, a bin that you drag behind a car yeah. um yeah exactly but luckily she is safe now but Good. there are an awful lot more animals who need people to video and send it to us we will put it up and we'll okay. try and get uh, just to get the evidence that's needed. Okay. I guess, look, care should be taken when videoing because you don't want anyone turning on you. But best thing to do is call the guards and get the video out there as fast as you can. Thank you very much for everything you do for our lovely Thank creatures. You. Cathy Davey from My Lovely Horse Rescue. 0818 96 96 96. That was a disgusting video. It was horrible. I did, yeah, I did share it because I wanted people to see the cruelty that is out there. Um, yeah. Oh, modular homes. I knew I wanted to come back to it. There is a protest or has been a protest against modular homes in a place where they are planned. Now, we've talked about modular homes in two contexts this morning. One in relation to the refugees and the demonstration that was held last evening downtown which the organisers of which say most people believe refugees are welcome and please ignore the loud minority that are doing their best to make refugees feel unwelcome. We, were, we heard from that protest thanks to Maureen from the newsroom. We also talking earlier this morning with Luke. Luke is homeless himself. He's living in the travel lodge for the last year and a bit and Luke has an idea and we were talking about it at the end of our conversation that maybe we could start putting homeless people instead of in hotel rooms, put them into modular parks, trailer parks, modular homes, whatever you want to call it yourself. In Mallow, or the Mallow area, there is a protest against modular homes. I'll find out more next. 0818 96 96 96. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. So earlier on I was talking to Luke uh, about his own situation where he is living in a hotel, the, 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 the travel lodge, for, for the last year and a bit now. Um, and he's been thinking a lot about the situation and I think brooding 
a lad about the situation and he and he's had one or two ideas. He's talking about standing for politics at the next local elections. And one of the ideas he had is that the government, the local council or the national government, should perhaps look at modular parks, like trailer parks or modular little cabins that you can buy and just put them, just get get get, get people into them. It's a reminder of what he was saying. There's a lot of land around the place, right? Mm. That the council could buy, lease, whatever, right? And uh, I just think, like, look, they're, they're building modular homes for, for Ukrainians, right? Yes. Why can't they build homes for us? Yes. Do you understand? Yeah. Uh, that's just a quick clip of that. No, up in Mallow, the Mallow area, they are putting in some modular homes or they want to put in some modular homes for uh, refugees. And there's a group has started to protest against it and doesn't want it to go ahead. Why, Annette? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. This is Mallow um, says no to modular homes. Why not? That's right. Because we don't believe that the modular homes are going to be used solely for Ukrainian refugees. We believe that some of the undocumented migrants that have been brought into the country who are now living in hotels and stuff and the hotel's contract finishes on the 31st of March so they need to find somewhere to put these people and we are concerned, very deeply concerned, that this modular home area in Mallow that they're trying to build is going to be one of the places they're going to put the undocumented migrants. Mm. Maybe up to 40 units. Yeah. Well, we've heard so many different numbers now, PJ, it's impossible. You could just take a number out of a hat, you know? And what harm would Because we've be given, we've be, we've be given, we've been given no information whatsoever. None. Like, so, you know, we have no idea what it is that they're planning, bar that they're planning to build modular, modular homes. But as for, and there, but there has been no consultation with the locals or anything like that. And obviously their locals are getting quite distressed, you know? Yeah. You see, there's a lot of right-wing nonsense going around at the moment, Annette. Oh, absolutely. You know, about absolutely. people, you know, and, and you'd swear, you'd swear to, to listen to some of the characters on social media that there's fellas marauding the streets <clears throat> looking for trouble, you know, who are undocumented. Mm. There is, though. I mean, that's the thing. There is, is people. Is there really? People. Really, Annette? There is. Have you seen what happened in Killarney in City Western I Dublin? Was in, I was in Killarney that night. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I know that it's there's some people fights who break are out trying all the to time. when you put when you corral yeah. people into a place, fights are yeah. going to break out. They are, and the thing about it is, do you not think the same thing would happen here if you're going to put these type of people into a um, modular home area but and expect them all to live peacefully? Ukrainians just as handy. Not so much, PJ, if it's women and children. Not yeah. so much. But if it's young men, undocumented men who are here by themselves, they don't have wives, they don't have children, then they're obviously, they're, you know, you're putting them in from different demographics, different countries, different religions, and you mm. expect them all to get along. And you're going to drop them in here into a local quiet area mm. and expect the local just to put up with it and not have anything to say about it. I mean, there's a couple of locals here who own their own houses and they're afraid that they're the the value of their houses are going to drop significantly if these modular homes are inside them. You see, you get, oh, you get pulled up on comments like that, Annette, and people say that's kind of a little bit racist. It is, but not at all, PJ. Look, the racist card is thrown left, right and centre these days. There isn't one person here among us that is racist in any way, shape or form. 
right? They are genuine local con- people who are concerned that they've been on the housing list for years. Why weren't they given an option of having a modular home? That's a valid will question. They, will, they, will they be given an option of these modular homes? Well, well if you look at Probably Luke, not. Luke, who was on with me earlier, he's a, he's a oh. year and two months. And this is a very valid discussion, which I'm really happy to have. Like, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That Luke is a year and two months living in, in, in a travel lodge. And around the corner from where he lives, you can... Sorry, beeping people passing. Grand. Sportless. Around the corner from where Luke is in a hotel room, you can walk three, four minutes and you will find a little one-bedroomed, self-contained, little apartment. It's not even big enough to be called an apartment. More like a little yeah. studio you'd get on holidays in Greece long ago. Tiny little... And yeah, but he'd have uh, comfort and security in that, there you which go. would be and amazing, the, the wouldn't it? The question he's asking yeah. is, why couldn't the government buy a few thousand of these and if oh, it's yeah. a thing that you reached out to the manufacturers there's no one going to tell me that if the government reached out to the manufacturers of these little things and said we have the land and we want 10,000 of them imagine the discount mm. you'd get oh absolutely absolutely and like the thing about this PJ that's what we're saying we know there's a massive housing crisis the majority of people here are on the housing list for years so we're well aware of the housing crisis and we're saying great let's help solve the housing crisis put in modular homes but let the locals Mm. be involved let them have a pick of the houses as well or let them have the opportunity to apply for them Mm. but you see what's happening is that we know there is going to be not one local offered a house in here that it's going to be all um, undocumented migrants. Because no one is going to guarantee us that it's Ukrainian women and children. And even if, and even, even if it is women and children, of course they're going to be very welcome and we will do everything in our power to help them blend into the society. But the services are already under severe pressure and you're going to add in another 200 people and then you're talking about the traffic and the congestion. And look, you know, there's just a myriad of things mm. that... Would would are are why the re, why the people are protesting? You're, so you're determined you know? to are you, well, you're going to man this place twenty four hours to make sure it doesn't happen? Yeah, that's exactly what they've been doing. It's exactly what they've been doing, and and that will continue. At the moment, there is a two dumpers and one large digger, and a small little kind of a security hut with a toilet attached in the site. Two sets of, you know, strong industrial lights, and that's the way it's going to stay. There is nothing else going to be allowed in there, and nothing else is going to be allowed out. Right. And that's the way it stays. And that, you know, let's remember this. It's the OPW and the council that have pushed the locals into doing this. None of us want to be standing here. It's blooming January. It's freezing. None of us want to be here. But we have been given no choice because nobody has consulted us. Nobody has spoken to us. Nobody has even come up here and... to ask us how things are, how we feel. Nobody. And we know that the meeting is going ahead now at the moment with the council and the OPW. And will we be told what happened at that meeting? We'll probably be fed tidbits if we're lucky. Mm. You know, and that's not fair, PJ. That is not fair. There's enough locals here who have been on the housing list. Mm. They must be at least 40 years between them. And some of them have children, young children. Mm. Young children who are living in accommodation that is not suitable yeah. and they have no security and it's uh, it's it's playing it's playing havoc with their mental health and the same with the children there's no security they're not growing up in beautiful bedrooms like every child should have 
And so, you know, we're, we're here for the long haul. We're here until such time as we get answers. If they can afford to build, the, build these modular homes, where are the rest of the houses for the people who need them? Yeah. yeah. Would you be so, in favour you know, of, of Luke's idea that the, that the, the government should actually look at building abs- Absolutely, PJ, because at the end of the day, we have a housing crisis. We need homes for people. Warm, comfortable, safe, secure homes for people. But surely to God, some of the locals should be considered and say, right, well, look, we'll put in so many Ukrainian women and children. But, you know, we just say you, Mary, whatever your name is, you're on the housing list. They are 12 years. Would you like one of those? Yeah. Of course they would. Of course they would. It gives them security. No mother wants to be living in a rented house that's freezing cold or anything like that when they could be living in a modular house that's warm, secure and safe for their children all, all they want is somewhere safe and secure for their children. Yeah. Why are they not being given the opportunity? It's, 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 you know, it's just so, so unfair. It's so unfair. Luke was making the point during our interview earlier on. I, I, I put it to him because he could. He could actually go home to his family home I put it to him that people will ask why he doesn't do that, to which his response was, yeah, he anticipates that question, and he reckons mm-hmm. he's entitled to a social house. Is that something that we need to address, though? You know, Annette, like, are people, inverted commas, entitled to social housing? A lot of people need support and need mm-hmm. help, but there's a difference between needing support and mm-hmm. feeling, again, the commas are up, entitled to us. Well, I mean, that's a huge social change that will have to take place, PJ, for that sort of um, thought process to change. And you can't expect that to change overnight. Um, but, you know, a woman who... Like, uh, sorry, read, sorry, Kasha, we've had people come in messaging us after Luke said that to say mm-hmm. he was kind of ruining his argument because listening to him were people who have worked their arses off to get a deposit mm. together. To get, Absolutely. You know, so the entitled word can be dangerous. It can, of course, and that's the thing. And but that's what I'm saying is that it's going to take um, a lot of change for 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 that sort of um, thought process to to be changed. And like, you can't expect that to change overnight. You know, social housing has always been provided for people who are unable or for some reason cannot get that type of money together or working in low paid jobs don't have the opportunity to save. So social housing has always been available in this country or at least for the last 60, 70 years. Um, and so like, obviously we know the governments have fallen down badly on that in the last couple of years. And so now we have a situation where we have hundreds of thousands of people who are on the social housing list and have no choice. Yeah. They are in low-paid jobs. They don't. They can't afford. There's no money to save. Sure, energy bills. Hello, you yes. know, nobody yes. is saving. Rent, the, hello, you can't. It's almost impossible yeah. to save. It is almost impossible. Yeah, to save. absolutely. And you know, you've got young children and what have you. You know. Yeah. So look, yes, of course, the word entitled is horrible. But you know what? These supports were put in place by previous governments, and you can't just take them away now and tell everybody, "Well, look, it's time to paddle your own canoe." You know, you can't do that either. So, I mean, and so Luke, his situation, whatever that may be, obviously he doesn't want to be living with his parents at whatever age he is. He wants to be living independently in his own little apartment and that's all he wants is a little little place. These people here are not asking for mansions. They're asking for somewhere where they can raise their children safely and warmly. Come come back to the 
the Ukrainians and, and the modular <coughs> homes intended for them there in, in Mallow? Like, <laughs> you know, people asking me here, how would Annette like to be Ukrainian, ripped <laughs> away from her home, her husband, fighting a war? <laughs> He's fighting a war back in Ukraine. She's petrified and lonely in a new country. And she turns <laughs> up to her accommodation provided for her by this kind, welcoming government. And there's a protest outside. Well, we're not going to be protesting. We're not going to be protesting if if there's women and children going in. I mean, you know, if if it gets to that stage where the houses are being built and it's women and children that are going to be in there. This group that are here with me today, there's about 25 of us. Every one of them will be up here to offer help to help those women and children move into their homes. We will try to make those children feel as safe and as comfortable as possible. We're not protesting against women and children. We are not. We are protesting against the possibility of these houses being used for undocumented migrants, young single men. And where's your evidence that that will happen? Where... PJ, nobody's a fool in this situation. The contracts with the hotels are ending on the 31st of March. There is hundreds of undocumented migrants in hotels all around this country. Those contracts are ending and those young Actually, men have... most of those contracts, Annette, are Ukrainian. Because I happened to be, I told you I was in Killarney the night mm-hmm. that the, the trouble was there, was there for New Year. And I know three or four of Killarney's leading hotels have mm-hmm. been offered as accommodation to... Ukrainians. One in particular I speak of is, and you'll know it yourself, the Denny Man. Oh yeah, of course. The, now there's, there's spot, you, yeah. a fabulous hotel. Now there, there are <laughs> Ukrainians. Those contracts come to win it. There's no, like you call them, undocumented migrants in those hotels. They're elsewhere. They're elsewhere, but they're elsewhere in Killarney too. And they're yeah. elsewhere in other towns and cities around the country. And they have to be moved. Where are they being moved to? Yeah. We also have a situation. Are under the, we are under the illusion, and, we're, and I don't think we're too far wrong, that this modular housing is being built for them. And like any other community, PG, around Ireland, we don't want 200-odd young single men being brought in here because the safety aspect would be very scary. Very scary for our young children. Bit of a sweeping statement, isn't it? PJ, is it? Is it really? We've seen what can happen when people are put in who are from different demographics, different religions, different countries, and you're told, live together there now and be good little boys and be thankful and grateful for what you're getting. They're not doing that, PJ, and that is not what they'll ever do. And we know that. And And you can put on rose-tinted glasses all we like, but that's not true, and that's not the way it's going to happen. As always, Annette, I've enjoyed our conversation. There are many layers to it. It's one that might even run into Monday. Well, thank you very much. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That's a net. There's a group of them. There's modular homes planned for near Mallow, and they are blocking it. And stay, they'll block it round the clock because they don't have a problem with Ukrainian women and children being brought in, but they fear. They fear that young, single, undocumented men will also be put in there, and that worries them. 0818969696 on Luke just before I go to the tune I'm just wondering if Luke wants a house for free the rest of us have to work very hard to be able to get it years of savings, paying mortgage other people have sick dads other people live with anxiety and depression Luke wants to be a counsellor and he can't work he's in a safe, clean place and in 
good place too to start working on himself. I think he's getting huge help already, says Dorotha. Well, he, he acknowledges, to be fair to him, and the interview will go up on a podcast, he does acknowledge that the people trying to help him are doing their best. He does, to be fair. Uh, good morning, PJ, says Shona. It's outrageous. Here we are, a small island country that can't afford to keep our own people housed, let alone anybody else. If we were financially viable with no crisis, then maybe we could take a capped number of refugees. But first we have to implement a visa control department with the authority to deny entry and have a plane ready that day or the following day to, to fall in line with other countries. To date, we've nothing, says Shiona. And Rocky on Luke. So he can go home to a roof over his head, but he chooses not to. So just take up a room for someone that has absolutely nowhere to go to. And that is from Rocky. Now, to be fair, uh, there is a lot of support out there as well uh, for Luke, uh, for telling his story and and coming forward to us uh, and putting his points on air. That... His big problem with living in the uh, travel lodge, as he sees it, is that he has to be there. And he feels that there's no opportunity there for him. And he has this idea for putting together parks. Uh, And he wants to go into politics, local politics, so he can maybe implement some of the ideas that have been, to use a a lovely word that I don't get to use very often, that have been fulminating in his head, a lovely word, fulminating in his head since he ended up in the Travelodge. And with a couple of other calls like this, so I'd love to congratulate that lad on the air. It was the most human story ever, the way he's trying to think of the situation and help others at the same time when he himself is in such difficult circumstances. I think, says this caller, there should be modular housing for both the Irish and for the refugees. We're a rich country. He's a lovely voice and a lovely manner, and I wish him all the best. Yeah, I would agree. I enjoyed my chat with Luke. He, he comes across as a, as a nice fella who is in a difficult place. And when you're living in a hotel room and you're struggling with your mental health, as he admits he is, and you lost your dad four weeks ago to cancer, which he did, you're you're not in a position to get yourself a job. Maybe he will be in a little while. And, and you're not in a position to do a whole pile other than just sit where you are and, and try to make the best for yourself. So I'm delighted he came to us. I'm delighted he talked to us. He's, he's opened up a, a huge conversation, which I've no doubt will continue into Monday and into the, into the future. Uh, but to be fair, the support for Luke and people criticising him is pretty much a 50-50 division. Come here. Did you miss it when I was doing the Live Free in 23? About an hour ago, we had one of the calls, we had first number that we picked, went to voicemail. Do you remember that? And I said, I left a voice message. I said, Sarah, this is PJ from 96 FM. I was trying to ring you and you missed my call. Well, she got the voicemail. Oh, my God, she said. My friend said to me, PJ, Sarah, you must be kicking yourself. On the voicemail, I was just going into the doctor. And he's a very stern, kind of serious man. I've tonsillitis, so I couldn't tell him I needed to answer the phone to shout the phrase to, oh, no, so she was in the doctor's surgery. Going in to be seen for tonsillitis. And the phone starts ringing inside in the handbag. And she wants to answer because she knows it's me. But she can't because the doctor will give out to her. Oh, 
I'll enter on Simon and Lorraine's show and pray for a miracle. That's there. <laughs> oh, Sarah, I wish I had the power to do more for you. I really do, but I don't. Some stuff coming in on housing, some stuff coming in on the little donkey. Bernie says, I saw that horrific video. I rang a Garda station. I had the registration number. By luck, the lovely Garda I spoke to assured me that it's under investigation and it's, it's all looked after and the donkey's with a vet. That's great. Yeah, that donkey is very safe and well now. Thank you so much for that. Right. Now, what if your boss had a little bit of luck and he shared it with you? Paul Brannock, down at the Three Piggies. Now, let's let's draw breath here for a second. You only won 200 quid on the Eurovision. On the Eurovi- no, no, 2,000. 2,000? 2,000. On the Eurovision. On the Eurovision plus. Uh, I was one number shy of half a million, which, listen... <clears throat> could have been nice to get the half a million as well, but two thousand is two thousand. It is two thousand, and it's in any man's language, it's it's a nice little bonus to get on the on what day is today, the thirty ninth of January was, uh, or something. Uh, yeah, I, I scanned my ticket on Wednesday morning. Uh, it's in my bed before I headed out the door at quarter seven, and it was a lovely surprise to see it popping up two thousand euro winner. So you're sharing it out with your staff? I did. I gave them all a little bonus. I gave them all a hundred quid to go in and treat themselves for something over the weekend, a drink or whatever they wanted. How many staff have you, Paul? So I, with, with my, uh, I have four full-timers inside, and then I have myself as well. Okay. Um, I always employ full-time staff, PJ. It's, it's their life. It's their livelihood. Mm. Um, so instead of having a load of part-timers, I prefer full-timers, and they're more loyal. Yeah. Um, do you know what? They're my business. They're they're my friends. They're my colleagues. Um, like I took today off, and I know it's in safe hands. Yeah, you yeah. know. Um, I pay them to get their four weeks holidays, or four weeks of holidays every year. They get a Christmas bonus. They're paid above the industry average, mm. and I think that's the way the catering industry should be. And you, you know, have a busy little place down there, and in fairness, you've come through some rough years. Yes, we did. Um, thankfully, you know, I suppose 80% of our customers that come into us are all regular. Yeah. Um, there's a very strong workforce around me, the courthouse, RT, welfare, uh, so, so Mal, so School of Terrace, Music, yeah. School of Music, yes, students and staff from the School of Music, School of Com. And there's a lot of building going on around me as yeah, well at the moment. So we've got a great mixture of people, you know. Yeah. You have the, the doctor's surgery next door. You have the lots doctor's of... surgery, the dentist. There's yeah. a lot going on. Yeah, yes, you have a great captive, great captive audience. Yeah. And, you, and you employ four staff. And they're all, I wasn't, and you must be unusual in that poll, in that it is all full-time staff. All full-time, always has been, PJ. Like, even when I was in the Toman Bar going back years ago, um, the majority of the staff in there were full-time. Yeah. And they were paid well. I, I find that if you, you pay your staff well, look after them, mm. they look after you. Has it been hard to keep up that standard in the times we're in? I mean, we we all know that hospitality is, is struggling with the cost of living and the cost it's, of... It's, it's hard. It is. Like, um, last... Keeping pace with inflation this year just gone now, uh, we increased our prices three times. But our customers are understanding. They know it had to be done to keep the products, to keep yeah. the staff, to keep everything rolling. They knew that. Yeah. And they were understanding of it, you know. Yeah, but I'm not blowing smoke anywhere it shouldn't be blown. The quality of coffee that you are serving down there 
It's it's a German brand, JJ Darboven, called Alfredo, and like Germans. Do. It's fabulous coffee. It's yeah, worth the, the, it's worth the yeah. co- it's worth the price. Like it's fabulous coffee. Uh, the Germans like to do with everything. It's efficiency and it's quality. You know. Mm. And you so know, you, just going back, going back to looking after staff. Yeah, you went in like and you gave them a hundred quid each. I gave them a hundred quid each. I did, but you know, going back to looking after your staff, and this it should happen more in the, the service industry. Try and get your staff full time. Look after them. They look after you. Richard Branson famously once said, "It's not look after your customer and they look after you. It's look after your staff and they will look after your customer." That's logic. Oh yes, big time. Like we next week, though, we got the the circuit court back in town, so we'll have a good view of the lads in from that. Mm. They'll walk in the door, they'll wave a card behind the counter, they'll sit down. She knows exactly what they want. Yeah, and they'll get it served to the table instead of queuing and everything like that. And that's you, important you, you, too. She knows they they know their regulars. When you're there all the time, you know your regulars. You know that he likes a cheese sandwich and a coffee, and she likes a chicken sandwich and yeah. a coffee. Yeah, I I would push a good 45 to 50% of my business, repeat business, down to my staff. And they're regular, they're there all the time, they've been with me for years, they've been looked after, and I would encourage any employer out there, make your staff full-time if you can. It's their livelihood, it's their job, and you know what? You'll see the returns tenfold. There's there's a lot of people out there have come in your line of work Paul have complained about not being able to get staff and the theory is always on social media well maybe if you looked after them better and maybe if you gave them 37 hours a week instead of 7 hours a week Yes, big time. I know premises PJ where when it's quite they get their staff to sit down, I'm not going to name names No. and to take them off the clock when they're sitting down that's not fair. Like when when I go into my quiet periods, which would be actually August would be my quietest month with the courts gone and everything. Mm. I would be I never drop the hours of my staff. They keep their hours. The business absorbs the hit, not the staff. You're gonna have a, this, you're gonna have a queue of people outside the door wanting to work for you. You know that, don't you? They'll ha- they'll have to fight the rest of them, T- uh, TJ, to get us. <laughs> Paul, listen, congratulations on the continued success in tough times of the three little piggies. Congratulations on the little win, uh, and I know that the staff will be delighted with you. Paul Brannock of Three Little Piggies, a local business well worth supporting, and I'm not blown smoke anywhere it shouldn't be blown about the coffee. The coffee down there is fantastic. I give you one thing: if you go in the town of a morning right thanks Paul if you go into town of a morning and the head mightn't be the clearest you know what I'm saying the head mightn't be the clearest if you want to clear that brain fog a good mug of his coffee you won't very few things will will clear it faster we might come back to this on Monday uh, and look for nice companies to work for because he is setting a standard down there at three little piggies and and what about you bosses is your company a good company to work for do you reward the hard work of your staff Text to WhatsApp at 083 396 Or any thoughts on this over the weekend to opinion at 96fm.ie. I have tons of stuff that I'm not going to get to. And that's the sign we've been busy and we like being busy. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in any way you did, not just today, but throughout the week. Have a good weekend and we'll talk to you Monday just after nine. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.